Welcome to Keep the Faith Ministry. Keep the Faith brings you timely messages with in-depth spiritual analysis of current events in light of Bible prophecy so you can prepare for the coming of Jesus. Listen to what the news won't tell you. Here is another important message for our times. This is Pastor Hal Mayer. Dear friends, welcome to Keep the Faith Ministry once again. Thank you for joining me today as we explore how a global government is being developed to push a Sunday law. It's not directly advocating a Sunday law at the moment, but when you think of how Bible prophecy places a Sunday law in such a prominent position, you can begin to see that everything the Pope does is with the intention to affect a Sunday law. And leaders of the world or the kings of the earth do the same thing. Now more than ever, people need to understand the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. And we have copies of our little book on Daniel 2 called The History of Tomorrow. Some things never change. It explains Daniel 2 for secular-minded people. It is just the right size that's easy to put in your pocket and hand out to people. I recommend that you hand out many of them. To get a quantity of them, just call our office at 540-672-3553. They are very inexpensive. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we are living at the apex of history. Prophecy is unfolding at a rapid pace. Men are seeking to consolidate their power and create an empire that is global in nature. We are nothing to them, but to you we are precious. Please protect us and give us light and power and send us your presence through your Holy Spirit as we study today. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation thirteen eleven. And 15 and 17. I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. This prophecy is about the United States and its hegemony and its ability to dictate the last area of independence of the human being. And it's about the loss of religious freedom and the enforcement of Sunday worship. How do I know? The papacy has a history of imposing strict Sunday laws upon its subjects for centuries. During the Middle Ages, 
she demanded and implemented Sunday laws that were imposed by the kings and rulers of the world. She has much experience with this. She wants to get the world to worship her at least symbolically, and she will use national leaders to persecute those who refuse. And she works closely with the United States. She has been working behind the scenes and is stealthily, secretly, without getting her fingerprints on the process, developing her credibility and her power. Here is the statement you may have read many times before from Great Controversy, page 581. God's word has given warning of the impending danger. Let this be unheeded, and the Protestant world will learn what the purposes of Rome really are, only when it's too late to escape the snare. She is silently growing into power. Her doctrines are exerting their influence in legislative halls, in the churches, and in the hearts of men. She is piling up her lofty and massive structures in the secret recesses of which her former persecutions will be repeated. Stealthily and unsuspectedly, she is strengthening her forces to further her own ends when the time shall come for her to strike. All that she desires is vantage ground, and this is already being given her. We shall soon see and feel what the purpose of the Roman element is. Whoever shall believe and obey the word of God will thereby incur reproach and persecution. The Protestant world will applaud Rome's efforts to impose a Sunday law on everyone because they will be so tired of the secular attitude and aggression, and they will also applaud the Pope for advocating a Sunday law because they are in harmony with him through the ecumenical movement and through what the Bible calls fornication or illicit relationship with the kings of the earth. They have been seeking this harmony for many years. They f will flatter themselves that they are in unity and that the Pope respects them. So they will not object or condemn the Sunday law. Here is a statement from Great Controversy, page 444, that tells us the realities we face today. The wide diversity of belief in the Protestant churches is regarded by many as decisive proof that no effort to secure a forced uniformity can ever be made. But there has been for years in churches of the Protestant faith a strong and growing sentiment in favor of a union based upon common points of doctrine. To secure such a union, the discussion of subjects upon which all are not agreed, however important they might be from a Bible standpoint, must necessarily be waived. Unity with Rome is something that the Catholic and Protestant churches have been working on for a long time, 
and in recent years they have made significant progress in public by cementing their, together a way forward in unity that will result eventually in a Sunday law. They are fulfilling prophecy right now by forming the image to the beast described in Revelation 13.15. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. That image to the beast has not received life yet because it hasn't made laws restricting religion, particularly Sunday laws. But very soon it will rise to become a living beast that speaks as a dragon and persecutes those who dissent. This dragon is the enemy of all mankind, made in the image of God. It represents the devil and does his bidding and will have teeth to persecute. America is the only nation or beast that started out like a lamb, providing religious liberty and inalienable liberties of all kinds given by God, but will become like a dragon, removing these liberties. America is going to become aggressive against Sabbath keepers. Make no mistake about it. Here it is from Testimonies for the Church, Volume 5, page 451. By the decree enforcing the institution of the papacy in violation of the law of God, our nation will disconnect herself fully from righteousness. When Protestantism shall stretch her hand across the gulf to grasp the hand of the Roman power, when she shall reach over the abyss to clasp hands with spiritualism, when under the influence of this threefold union our country shall repudiate every principle of its constitution as a Protestant and Republican government, and shall make provision for the propagation of papal falsehoods and delusions, then we may know that the time has come for the marvelous working of Satan and that the end is near. And here it is from Great Controversy, page 445. When the leading churches of the United States, uniting upon such points of doctrine as are held by them in common, shall influence the state to enforce their decrees and to sustain their institutions, then Protestant America will have formed an image of the Roman hierarchy, and the infliction of civil penalties upon dissenters will inevitably result. The Protestants and Catholics will work together to take away the liberties that are guaranteed in the Constitution of the United States. But Rome is under a disguise. She has not changed at the core. She is the same as she was in past ages. Again, reading from Great Controversy, page 571, we read, The Roman Church now presents a fair front to the world, covering with apologies, 
her record of horrible cruelties. She has clothed herself in Christ-like garments, but she is unchanged. Every principle of the papacy that existed in past ages exists today. The doctrines devised in the darkest ages are still held. Let none deceive themselves. The papacy that Protestants are now so ready to honor is the same that ruled the world in the days of the Reformation, when men of God stood up at the peril of their lives to expose her iniquity. She possesses the same pride and arrogant assumption that lorded it over kings and princes and claimed the prerogatives of God. Her spirit is no less cruel and despotic now than when she crushed out human liberty and slew the saints of the Most High. Rome works with an unseen hand and is very patient. She works through national government leaders. She works through institutions that are doing works of charity. So when she speaks, people listen. And when she talks about climate change and the need to fix it, global leaders take their cues because her goals align with theirs. You may wonder how on earth she'll get everybody in unity. Well, it's because she offers them what they want, money and power. And the greatest of these is power. They have taken time to work out how they can do it, but they now have the formula to make it work. They have been working on ways to take more power over the planet. Gradually, they have done so. The pandemic showed them how to do it more pointedly than ever. But rest assured, when they achieve what they want to achieve, they will give Rome what she wants. Revelation 18 says that the kings of the earth and the merchants of the earth who control the power and money, or the globalist elite, have a cozy relationship with Rome. It is implied in those verses, but both of them will do something when she is punished that is surprising. Listen to Revelation eighteen, ten and 15 through 19. Standing afar off for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, the mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. The merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand afar off for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed with fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, for in one hour so great riches is come to naught. And every shipmaster and all the company of ships and sailors and as many as trade by sea stood afar off, and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? They cast dust on their heads, 
and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city, wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness. For in one hour she is made desolate. There is something about their relationship that they have been feeding on that has for a time made them a lot of money, which they love. And since the love of money is the root of all evil, they have oppressed the poor, started and encouraged wars, created a lot of misery, enslaved men and women, were cruel to children and infants, assassinated and murdered, pillaged and destroyed the lives of millions just to get more money and with it more power. Rome is responsible for this, but people don't see it because of the Christ-like garments by which she disguises herself. Rome is the same in the Dark Ages as well as when there is great light. Now the G7, which is a conglomeration of the world's most advanced economies, including Britain, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, Canada, and the United States, plus a representative from the European Union, have recently met and proposed and adopted a climate club. The purpose of the climate club, they say, is because the current climate agreements aren't working. Of course, when an agreement doesn't work, their answer is to force it upon the nations or coerce them to comply. This is an attempt to create an international system of coercion. And, you, and as usual, Satan is behind it. He is behind any consolidation in government or politics because it takes away freedom. And this climate club will work to take away the freedoms you have, guaranteed. Remember that it was Pope Francis that orchestrated the Paris climate agreements. So it is papal from start to finish. And in this climate club, which is planned to be formed by the end of the, this year, 2022, will have benefits and advantages for member nations and penalize those who refuse to join. Those who join the club will be exempted by the other members from climate-related trade restrictions that are required of the nations that refuse to join. The Climate Club will implement or impose rules and regulations on nations and industries that are deemed polluters. But the bigger issue is that it is a form of world government, although labeled global collaboration, because those would be global rules and regulations, not just national policies. This will certainly lead to other areas of control over the nations by a world body as they yield various elements of their sovereignty one by one. 
In other words, instead of imposing a global government from the top down, the global internationalists are doing it in piecemeal, in sectors where they can get cooperation. Eventually, as cooperation grows, the few holdouts will be pressured by disadvantages to coerce them to cooperate. Notice what Yale economist and Nobel Prize winner William Nordhaus said. The voluntary nature of existing climate agreements hasn't resulted in sufficient progress. Think about that for a minute. The voluntary nature of existing climate agreements hasn't resulted in sufficient progress. That clearly suggests that something involuntary is needed, something coerced or forced. He is speaking to the minds of the G7 leaders who want more power, as well as others. So they will impose rules and regulations on all nations. They have one standard for club members and another standard for non-club members. First, they will try to persuade the nations to join the club. Then for those who refuse or are dilatory, they will try to coerce with benefits and disadvantages, the carrot and the stick, for either compliance or non-compliance. Then my guess is that they will be more strongly coercing them by restricting money from the World Bank or other sources of development funds, making it essentially difficult for them to buy and sell. And this will all be spun as for the common good. It reminds me of something that will happen to God's people at the very end of time. It's found in Great Controversy, page 607. As the controversy extends into new fields and the minds of the people are called to God's downtrodden law, Satan is astir. The power attending the message will only madden those who oppose it. The clergy will put forth almost superhuman efforts to shut away the light, lest it should shine upon their flocks. By every means at their command, they will endeavor to suppress discussion of these vital questions. The church appeals to the strong arm of civil power, and in this work, papists and Protestants unite. As the movement for Sunday enforcement becomes more bold and decided, the law will be invoked against commandment keepers. They will be threatened with fines and imprisonment, and some will be offered positions of influence and other rewards and advantages as inducements to renounce their faith. But their steadfast answer is, show us from the word of God our error. The same plea that was made by Luther under similar circumstances. Those who are arraigned before the courts make a strong vindication of the truth, and some who hear them are led to take their stand to keep all the commandments of God. Thus light will be brought before thousands who otherwise would know nothing of these truths. So first they 
will try to persuade and convince those who are obedient to the Word of God, namely Seventh-day Sabbath keepers, to change their convictions through arguments and discussions of the key points of disagreement with them. Second, they will cancel the present truth and those who proclaim it by shutting them out of social media, the web, and every other place if possible. Thirdly, they will offer them inducements to renounce their faith, or they will threaten them with fines and imprisonment. That's the carrot and the stick. Fourthly, they will use economic restrictions to coerce compliance. And lastly, they will be denounced as worthy of death for the good of society or the common good. That's how these global elites will work with various nations of the world. Much the same. They will be much more effective, though, with them than with a few obstinate and determined Sabbath keepers. They will all line up eventually. Nations can be worthy of death, like the Ukraine, because Ukraine wants to remain independent of the Russian Orthodox Patriarchate. It's interesting that the Pope has not gotten involved very much in the issue because he does not want to appear publicly as provoking the Russian Orthodox Church, but he is. Rome is gradually eliminating its opposition from its enemies but it's doing it very quietly behind the scenes where the public cannot see it, at least not yet. The time for public reckoning will come and Rome will stand as if naked before the world. Notice this statement from Great Controversy, page 606. The sins of Babylon will be laid open. The fearful results of enforcing observances of the church by civil authority, the inroads of spiritualism, the stealthy but rapid progress of papal power, all will be unmasked. I'd like to say something about the common good. This is a papal concept that makes everyone responsible for everyone else. And if you don't line up with what everybody else is doing or thinking you are a pariah on society, worthy of exclusion or cancellation. In other words, persecution. Protestant churches are promoting the common good too. Even the remnant church is arguing that the common good is essential. They say in so many words, if you don't get vaccinated, you aren't concerned about others and even killing people. In other words, they have aligned themselves with the papacy in the spirit of persecution. The Climate Club is interested in accelerating climate action. They are working to consolidate the superstructure to enforce it upon the world. And if they can't force it, they will certainly coerce it. The Climate Club will produce a set of rules and regulations with which all nations can comply. They will not be so stringent at first with developing countries whose carbon footprint 
is larger than developed countries. Of course, that implies that the developing countries will be cooperative. In any political matter, you have to follow the money. And this is no exception. The money comes from taxes. The G7 Club is planning to implement taxes on the trade of products and services that require excessive carbon emissions to pr produce. Those who are members of the Climate Club will exempt one another from climate-related trade tariffs that non-members would be subject to. So the incentive will be very strong for countries to join the club, and also there will be a strong disincentive not to join. It is a carrot-and-stick approach. It's also taxation without representation. Individual citizens will have no say on this tax, yet they will have to pay for it. Everything is passed on to the consumer. It is built into the retail pricing of those goods and services on which it is imposed. Remember that the climate change agenda is being pushed by the Pope in Rome, so there must be a connection between Rome and the Climate Club, and these kings of the earth. Pope Francis published an encyclical on climate change called Laudato Si. When the Pope speaks, the nations listen. Laudato Si is part of a global plan that the papacy has enacted to bring the rest of the world under her control and get the nations to worship her. Let's read it in Revelation 13, 3 and 4. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wandered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? So the goal is to get all nations and people to worship Rome and the Pope. Rome is bending every effort for this to happen, and she is now nearly sitting on top of the world, as it were, with her climate change agenda. Revelation 18 makes this very clear in verse 7. Speaking of her future punishment, the infallible Bible says, how much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. Verse 9 says, And the kings of the earth, who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her, shall bewail her and lament for her, when they shall see the smoke of her burning. Presidents, prime ministers, monarchs, dictators are all in with the Pope in one way or another. The Pope has long advocated carbon pricing to stem global climate change. This comes in the form of a tax upon carbon emissions through tariffs on international trade, as I've said. By making it more expensive to use fossil fuels, for example, 
is the easiest way to reduce its use. This tax is a form of control, which is the enemy's goal. The nations that refuse to join this club are or are stubborn regarding their climate emissions will feel the economic pressure to join the club. This will eventually affect individuals, for right now they are starting with nations. And what they do at the national level and at the global level will affect every man, woman, and child on the planet. Their message is to give up your individual rights and liberties in favor of the common good. According to Catholic social teaching, the common good is more important than individual rights. Even the Jesuits are promoting a carbon tax to stem climate change. It's part of their social teaching. Breitbart wrote, The Jesuit Post is urging the imposition of a U.S. carbon tax to disincentivize the use of fossil fuels and generate revenue to address the negative effects of climate change. It is the perfect ruse. Satan is planning to use climate to cause a lot of destruction on the planet. When God's protection will be withdrawn from the planet because of their persistence in rebellion, there will be such a scene of destruction that no pen can describe. Listen to this from Testimonies for the Church, Volume 6, page 408. The restraining spirit of God is even now being withdrawn from the world. Hurricanes, storms, tempest, fire, and flood, disasters by sea and land follow each other in quick succession. Science seeks to explain all these. The signs thickening around us telling of the near approach of the Son of God are attributed to any other than their true cause. Men cannot discern sentinel angels restraining the four winds that they shall not blow until the servants of God are sealed. But when God shall bid his angels loose the winds, there shall be such a scene of strife as no pen can picture. Notice that all the disasters and catastrophes listed are climate-related, and they always have been. Think of Noah and the flood. Think of Sodom. And think of Ahab and the drought. God's judgments and Satan's malice are all related to climate. So it should be no surprise that today Satan seeks to control nature, and God uses it to punish the wicked for their sins. So as the protecting and restraining spirit of God is withdrawn from the world, Satan is then permitted to wreak havoc through climate catastrophes. That is in process and is developing right now. Here is an interesting statement from Great Controversy, page 589. Satan works through the elements also to garner his harvest of unprepared souls. He has studied the secrets of the laboratories of nature, and he uses all his power to control the elements as far as God allows. When he was suffered to afflict Job, how quickly flocks and herds, servants, houses, children, 
were swept away, one trouble succeeding another as in a moment. It is God that shields his creatures and hedges them in from the power of this destroyer. But the Christian world have shown contempt for the law of Jehovah, and the Lord will do just what he declared that he would. He would withdraw his blessings from the earth and remove his protecting care from those who are rebelling against his law in teaching and forcing others to do the same. Satan has control of all whom God does not especially guard. He will favor and prosper some in order to further his own designs, and he will bring trouble upon others and lead men to believe that it is God who is afflicting them. Satan always actively deceives men wherever he can, and it's all with the purpose to get them to worship him and reject God. And he is doing this on a global scale. I'll read on. While appearing to the children of men as a great physician, who can heal all their maladies, he will bring disease and disaster until populous cities are reduced to ruin and desolation. Even now he is at work, in accidents, in calamities by sea and by land, in great conflagrations, in fierce tornadoes, and terrific hailstorms, in tempests, floods, and cyclones, tidal waves, and earthquakes in every place and in a thousand forms, Satan is exercising his power. He sweeps away the ripening harvest, and famine and distress follow. He imparts to the air a deadly taint, and thousands perish by the pestilence. These visitations are to become more and more frequent and disastrous. Destruction will be upon both man and beast. The earth mourneth and fadeth away. The haughty people do languish. The earth is defiled under the inhabitants thereof, because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, and broken the everlasting covenant, Isaiah 24, 4 and 5. Did you notice why these things happen? It is because they have changed the ordinance and have broken the everlasting covenant. What does that mean, that they have changed the ordinance? That's talking about the Sabbath, as well as other principles contained in the Ten Commandments. Man has left God even in nations that are professedly Christian. And also, did you notice that science tries to explain the catastrophes? That removes the moral implications. It's a scientific problem that we have to solve. That's all. It's not related to sin. But God's word says otherwise, as we have seen. Man has an enormous capacity to excuse himself from any responsibility for sin. He minimizes and understates his accountability. He makes excuses for his disobedience. So Satan has a lot of room to work with humanity. The Pope has been working for hundreds of years, since the dawn of the Reformation, to counteract its work and reestablish Sunday laws. Rest assured, he is bending 
every effort to do so, including getting the world to align with him and his agenda through climate issues. And Laudato Si is no exception. The popes have brought Sunday worship into the encyclicals at every chance they get. Here it is. Point 237. On Sunday, our participation in the Eucharist has special importance. Sunday, like the Jewish Sabbath, is meant to be a day which heals our relationships with God and with ourselves and with others and with the world. Notice that he says that relationships need to be healed with the world. This is both referring to climate and to our social responsibility on a global scale. Most people don't think about this, so the Pope is reminding them. He wants the nation to protect creation, but not worship the God of creation. For the God of creation commanded that all humanity observe and keep the seventh day of the week. But the Pope and the Church have set aside the Sabbath observance and replaced it with Sunday observance. Again, reading from Laudato Si, Sunday is the day of the resurrection, the first day of the new creation, whose first fruits are the Lord's risen humanity, the pledge of the final transfiguration of all created reality. There it is. Created reality will be transfigured meaning that it will be finally restored. It also proclaims man's eternal rest in God. In this way, Christian spirituality incorporates the value of relaxation and festivity. We tend to demean the contemplative rest as something unproductive and unnecessary, but this is to do the away with the very thing which is most important about its work, its meaning. The law of weekly rest forbade work on the seventh day, so that your ox and your donkey may have rest, and the son of your maidservant and the stranger may be refreshed. Rest opens our eyes to the larger picture and gives us renewed sensitivity to the rights of others. And so the day of rest, centered on the Eucharist, sheds its light on the whole week and motivates us to a greater concern for nature and the poor. This is nature worship, which is what all pagan religions have done for centuries, for millennia. And notice that the Pope included the Eucharist without any biblical support. The Eucharist and the Mass are the central element of Roma's pagan worship, Romans one twenty five, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Anyone who is working for Satan will change the truth of God into a lie and will serve and worship the creature more than the Creator. So again, it should be no surprise that Rome is pushing nature worship. This will support Sunday observance because Sunday observance is a memorial to nature and creation as well as the 
resurrection to the Catholic world. Sunday worship will eventually be enforced as the law of the land. Here it is from Great Controversy 578. It has been shown that the United States is the power represented by the beast with lamb-like horns, and that this prophecy will be fulfilled when the United States shall enforce Sunday observance, which Rome claims as a special acknowledgment of her supremacy. But in this homage to the papacy, the United States will not be alone. The influence of Rome in the countries that once acknowledged her dominion is still far from being destroyed, and prophecy foretells a restoration of her power. I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. So the United States is going to lead out in climate issues, Rest assured, you are not going to see the end of this. It's only just the beginning, and the result will be a national Sunday law leading to a universal Sunday law. Listen to this from Testimonies to the Church, Volume 7, page 141. The substitution of the laws of men for the law of God the exaltation by merely human authority of Sunday in place of the Bible Sabbath is the last act in the drama. When this substitution becomes universal, God will reveal himself. He will arise in his majesty to shake terribly the earth. And notice this statement from Testimonies for the Church, Volume 6, page 395. Four nations will follow the example of the United States, though she leads out, yet the same crisis will come upon our people in all parts of the world. Rome is a global church with a global Sunday law agenda, and she will not stop until she achieves it. And right now, it is all going her way. How will they impose this Sunday law in modern society? They will use many tools, but one of the foremost will be through your smartphone. They are already implementing trackers for your smartphone that will track your vaccination status. They will develop carbon footprint trackers so that they can track the individual's carbon footprint. The carbon footprint is what you spend your money on that is environmentally unsustainable. And this will eventually lead to a Sunday tracker. I don't know the exact details of how it will be implemented, but I can see that it can easily be done. They have been developing these tools in other areas so that one day they can implement them in this area. Even though those who are developing these tools may not be aware of the ultimate goal, but with the eye of prophecy, we can look into the future and see that technology will be used extensively in the enforcement of climate laws, which includes Sunday laws. At Klaus Schwab's World Economic Forum meeting in Davos, Switzerland, the president of the Alibaba Group, announced that they will roll out an individual carbon footprint tracker along with a business 
carbon footprint tracker. Speaking at the World Economic Forum annual meeting in Davos on Tuesday, Alibaba Group President J. Michael Evans announced that the Chinese multinational e-commerce platform would soon be launching a carbon footprint tracker in an attempt to change people's shopping and travel behaviors. We are developing through technology an ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. That's where they're traveling, how they are traveling, what they're eating, what they are consuming on the platform. Of course, you can expect it to become more than a voluntary system. It will be mandated and used as a social credit system. It will be similar to the authoritarian Chinese model of social credit. Those who make the right decisions will be rewarded. Those who make the wrong decisions will be penalized. In China, they are not allowed to travel, go into restaurants, or even have the ability to rent an apartment or buy insurance if they have poor social credit by making too many unacceptable decisions. Even medical services can be restricted to those who have a good social credit score. But the most impact will be made when you can't buy or sell unless you have the acceptable social credit score. Eventually, Sabbath keepers will automatically fall into that group with an unacceptable credit score. Not only will Sabbath keepers be eliminated from the social system of interaction and trade, but their trackers will keep track of their whereabouts at all times. God will surely have to sustain them independent of the system. By the way, you won't be able to use the technology. You won't be able to use your bank account. You won't be able to use anything that ties you to this world. You better think how you're going to live. Listen to this from Great Controversy, page 615. As the Sabbath has become the special point of controversy throughout Christendom, and religious and secular authorities have combined to enforce the observance of Sunday, the persistent refusal of a small minority to yield to the popular demand that will make them objects of universal execration. It will be urged that the few who stand in opposition to an institution of the church and a law of the state ought not to be tolerated, that it is better for them to suffer than for whole nations to be thrown into confusion and lawlessness. The same argument many centuries ago was brought against Christ by the rulers of his people. It is expedient for us, said the wily Caiaphas, that one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation perish not. John 11.50 This argument will appear conclusive, and a decree will finally be issued against those who hallow the Sabbath of the Fourth Commandment, denouncing them as deserving of the severest punishment and giving the people liberty after a certain time to put them to death. 
Romanism in the old world and apostate Protestantism in the new will pursue a similar course to those who honor all the divine precepts. And social credit is already being implemented in some countries. Listen to this. Italy is all set to become the first European country to implement a social credit system that is government-sponsored. A rewards-based program will be rolled out as well. It is meant to have an impact on people's reactions to climate change. The residents will be assessed based on their level of compliance. So the program will be rolled out in the autumn of 2022. Citizens who do the right thing will be given rewards in form of cryptocurrency. And they will also get rebates from local retailers. And rewards will be handed out for using public transportation and recycling things in the right way. Friends, it's already starting. Prepare for more nations to join the process. The G7 and the Climate Club will facilitate the transition smoothly. And when this is accomplished, they can establish universal laws on nations all over the world at once, including including a universal Sunday law. Friends, the world leaders are creating a Babylonian empire again. Babylon is back. They are doing it for the sake of Rome, and Rome is using it to implement her religious policies. And it will happen rapidly because the final movements will be rapid ones. From Testimonies to the Church, Volume 9, page 11. The agencies of evil are combining their forces and consolidating. They are strengthening for the last great crisis. Great changes are soon to take place in our world, and the final movements will be rapid ones. Are these nations consolidating and strengthening themselves? Yes, they are. Why? Because they are preparing themselves for the last great conflict in the universal controversy. They are determined to resist God and his law. They are trying to implement an order that will oppose God's order. They are attempting to realign everything according to man's idea of control, and it will follow Satan's agenda to restrict freedom. Are great changes taking place in the world? Many people may wonder what it's all about and why all these changes are taking place so rapidly. The only way they can understand them is through Bible prophecy. Please don't delay preparation of your soul for the last great crisis as well. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, the world is in turmoil and change. It is being organized to fight you. And there will be a death decree against all who are loyal to heaven. I pray that your people will be prepared for the crisis in the conflict of the last days. As the world comes to its close, we look forward to Jesus coming again in the clouds of heaven. 
But there is an awful time ahead for you people. We need backbones like steel. We need courage of our convictions. Please send your Holy Spirit to help us and give us the grace we need to go through this time ahead. Please make the Bible a book of real strength to us. In Jesus' name, amen.
We hope you've been greatly blessed by this month's message. Your prayers and gifts mean much to us. Thank you for your support. The song you have just heard is called I'd Rather Have Jesus, sung by Christian Berdahl. It is recorded on a CD with other beautiful hymns called Consecration. If you would like a copy of the CD, just send $16 postpaid and we will gladly send you one. International listeners should send $20 USD. Be sure and mention the Consecration CD. The following is our Prophetic Intelligence Briefing, a feature that brings you current events in light of prophecy, especially for those who love the appearing of Jesus Christ. We can see the signs of the times telling us that we are nearing the world's great crisis and the coming of the Lord. May the Lord find us faithful. Our first item this month, Disney-owned Marvel unveils gay version of popular superhero. The latest comic book version of the popular Marvel superhero Spider-Man will be homosexual. Marvel Entertainment, which was purchased by the Walt Disney Company for $4 billion in 2009, is slated to soon introduce Web Weaver, an alternate universe version of Spider-Man, in the upcoming issue of Edge of Spider-Verse number 5, slated for release in September. News of the new version of the superhero was first shared on Twitter by Marvel writer Steve Fox, who has since made his account private. In a follow-up tweet to his announcement, the Daily Wire reported, Fox wrote, Something I realized immediately when conceiving Web Weaver is that he can't and shouldn't represent all gay men. No single character can. His fearlessly femme identity is central to who he is, but it's not the story, which you can experience for yourself in September. The announcement was met with a bit of criticism from Marvel fans. Quote, Dude, why do you have to ruin Spider-Man? Asked one Twitter user. Referring to Marvel mastermind Stan Lee, who said in 2015 he wanted the web-slinging hero to remain white and heterosexual. It is worth noting, as The Guardian did, Lee, who passed away in 2018, was specifically talking about Spider-Man's alter ego, 
Peter Parker. The comic book creator said he wouldn't mind Parker being a different ethnicity other than white had he always been envisioned that way. Quote, I wouldn't mind if Peter Parker had originally been black, a Latino, an Indian, or anything else, that he stay that way, said Lee, commenting on Sony's stipulations for Spider-Man's on-screen appearance. But we originally made him white. I don't see any reason to change that. Another commentator, Eric July, condemned the latest iteration of Spider-Man as unnecessary. The announcement of Webweaver comes just weeks after Marvel Entertainment unveiled Escapade, a transgender mutant superhero, Faithwire previously reported. Escapade, whose character name is Sheila Sexton, is featured in the comic book Marvel Voices, Pride No. 1, written by Charlie Jane Anders and designed by artist Roe Stein and Ted Brandt. All of this, too, comes as the Walt Disney Company has increasingly invested in elevating LGBT storylines, particularly in content geared toward children. The latest example of this is Disney's Pixar's Lightyear, a spin-off based on the character Buzz Lightyear from the Toy Story saga. In the film, which hasn't performed well at the box office, there's a kiss between two women romantically involved with one another. Scripture is clear that God's design for sexuality is that it is to be enjoyed within the confines of a marriage between one man and one woman. Anything outside that is sinful. Quote, Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Luke seventeen twenty-eight and 30. Next. Pope meets with Pelosi two days after she vows to enshrine Roe v. Wade into the law of the land. Pope Francis met today at the Vatican with Speaker Nancy Pelosi and her husband Paul Pelosi just two days after the Speaker had publicly declared her commitment to pushing Congress to enact legislation, quote, to enshrine Roe v. Wade into the law of the land. The Supreme Court released its opinion in Dobbs v. Jackson's Women's Health, which declared that there is no federal constitutional right to abortion and that it is, therefore, up to the states to determine their own abortion laws. On Monday, Pelosi released a Dear Colleague letter she had sent to other Democrats in the House of Representatives that day. The letter expressed her views on how the House should respond to the Dobbs decision. Quote, our caucus has been exploring avenues to protect the health and freedom of American women, said Pelosi. Among them, she said, is legislation that once again passes the Women's Health Protection Act, landmark legislation to enshrine Roe v. Wade into the law of the land. On Wednesday, the Associated Press reported that Pelosi had attended Mass that day at the Vatican after meeting with the Pope. Quote, U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi met with Pope Francis on Wednesday and received communion during a papal mass in St. Peter's Basilica, witnesses said, despite her position in support of abortion rights, said the AP. She was seated in a VIP diplomatic section and received communion along with the rest of the congregants, according to two people who witnessed the moment, said AP. Pelosi met with Francis on Wednesday before the Mass and received a blessing, according to one of the Mass attendees, said the AP. 
A photo released by the Vatican showed Pelosi and her husband, Paul Pelosi, greeting Francis off to the side of the basilica. Quote, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Revelation 17.2 Next, Afghanistan quake kills 1,000 people, deadliest in decades. A powerful earthquake struck a rugged, mountainous region of eastern Afghanistan Wednesday, flattening stone and mud-brick homes and killing at least 1,000 people. The disaster posed a new test for Afghanistan's Taliban rulers and relief agencies already struggling with the country's multiple humanitarian crisis. The quake was Afghanistan's deadliest in two decades, and officials said the toll could rise. An estimated 1,500 others were reported injured, the state-run news agency said. The disaster inflicted by the 6.1 magnitude quake keeps more misery on a country where millions face increasing hunger and poverty and the health system has been crumbling since the Taliban retook power nearly 10 months ago amid the U.S. and NATO withdrawal. The takeover led to a cutoff of vital international financing and most of the world has shunned the Taliban government. In a rare move, the Taliban's supreme leader, Habatullah Akunzada, who almost never appears in public, pleaded with the international community and humanitarian organizations, quote, to help the Afghan people affected by this great tragedy and to spare no effort. Residents in the remote area near the Pakistani border search for victims dead or alive by digging with their bare hands through the rubble, according to footage shown by the Bakhtar News Agency. It was not immediately clear if heavy rescue equipment was being sent or if it could even reach the area. At least 2,000 homes were destroyed in the region, where on average every household has seven or eight people living in it, said Ramiz Alakbarov, the UN Deputy Special Representative to Afghanistan. The full extent of the destruction among the villages tucked in the mountains was slow in coming to light. The roads, which are rutted and difficult to travel in the best of circumstances, may have been badly damaged, and landslides from recent rains made access even more difficult. Rescuers rushed in by helicopter, but the relief effort could be hindered by the exodus of many international aid agencies from Afghanistan after the Taliban takeover last August. Moreover, most governments are weary of dealing directly with the Taliban. In a sign of the muddled workings between the Taliban and the rest of the world, Alakbarov said the Taliban has not formally requested that the UN mobilize international search and rescue teams or obtain equipment from neighboring countries to supplement the few dozen ambulances and several helicopters sent in by Afghan authorities. Still, officials from multiple UN agencies said the Taliban were giving them full access to the area. The quake was centered in Paktika province, about 50 kilometers 31 miles southwest of the city of Khost, according to neighboring Pakistan's meteorological department. Experts put its depth at just 10 kilometers, 6 miles. Shallow earthquakes tend to cause more damage. The European Seismological Agency said the quake was felt over 500 kilometers, 310 miles, 
by 119 million people across Afghanistan, Pakistan, and India. Footage from Paktika showed men carrying people in blankets to a waiting helicopter. Other victims were treated on the ground. One person could be seen receiving IV fluids while sitting in a plastic chair outside the rubble of his home, and still more were sprawled on gurneys. Some images showed residents picking through clay bricks and other rubble. Roofs and walls had caved in. The death toll reported by the Bakhtar News Agency was equal to that of a quake in 2002 in northern Afghanistan. Those are the deadliest since 1998, when an earthquake that was also 6.1 in magnitude and subsequent tremors in the remote northeast killed at least 4,500 people. Wednesday's quake took place in a region prone to landslides, with many older, weaker buildings. Quote, the fear is that the victims will increase further, also because many people could be trapped under collapsed buildings, said Stefano Souza, Afghanistan country director for the Italian Medical Aid Group Emergency, which sent seven ambulances and staff to areas near the quake zone. More than 60% of Afghanistan's population of 38 million already relies on international aid to survive. Humanitarian agencies still operating in the country, including UNICEF, rushed supplies to the quake-stricken areas, and Pakistan said it would send food, tents, blankets, and other essentials. Obtaining more direct international help may be more difficult. Many countries, including the U.S., funnel humanitarian aid to Afghanistan through the UN and other such organizations to avoid putting money in the Taliban's hands. The quake will only add to the immense humanitarian needs in Afghanistan, and it really has to be all hands on deck to make sure that we really limit the suffering that families, that women and children are already going through, said Shelley Thackrell, spokesperson for the UN World Food Program in Kabul. In the capital, Prime Minister Mohammad Hassan Akund convened an emergency meeting at the presidential palace. Quote, when such a big incident happens in any country, there is a need for help from other countries, said Sharafuddin Muslim, Deputy Minister of State for Disaster Management. It is very difficult for us to be able to respond to this huge incident. That may prove difficult given the international isolation of Afghanistan under the Taliban, who were toppled from power by the U.S. in the wake of the 9-11 attacks. The newly restored government has issued a flurry of edicts curtailing the rights of women and girls and the news media in a turn back toward the Taliban's harsh rule from the late 1990s. Quote, This does add a lot to the daily burden of survival. The UN's Alakbarov said of the quake, We are not optimistic today. Quote, It is God who holds in his hands the destiny of souls. He will not always be mocked. He will not always be trifled with. Already his judgments are in the land. Fierce and awful tempests leave destruction and death in their wake. The devouring fire lays low the desolate forest and the crowded city. Storm and shipwreck await those who journey upon the deep. Accident and calamity threaten all who travel upon the land. Hurricanes, earthquakes, sword and famine 
follow in quick succession. Yet the hearts of men are hardened. They recognize not the warning voice of God. They will not flee to the only refuge from the gathering storm. Testimonies to the Church, Volume 5, page 234. Unfortunately, our time is up. Remember, there are more prophetic intelligence briefings on our website at ktfnews.com. It's been a great pleasure to spend this time with you. I hope you have been encouraged to live for Jesus, for we are near the end. Remember that God has a plan for your life and that right now you can make a new start with Jesus. Thank you for your prayers and support. And until next time, may God bless and keep you and your family in His loving and protecting care. Keep the faith.